0: For discussions of truth, just ended with Alana Freeland, and uh, I, I was I was mistaken. I was I was I was I was mistaken. Uh, Alana uh, has had she's been working on this book. I, you know, look. So so six months ago, I had reached out to Alana to join the program uh, because I wanted her take. She she encompasses uh, she 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 really encompasses the big picture as to what's happening technologically, and how that's uh, intertwining with the human existence, if you will. Transhumanism is what's happening. So G-Engineering, uh, Transhumanism is the title of her latest book, and I hadn't I had realized that she has just now finished this, which is very kind to approach me recently and say, hey, the book is complete. Let, uh, let me offer an opportunity to rejoin the program, which she did, and so the, for the third time uh, Discuss the truth. Uh, hosting Alana Freeland. Uh, we have uh, Oregon native, uh, Washington uh, political uh, uh, politician, political candidate Joe Kent, uh, expecting to join the program here momentarily. So we'll wait for him to uh, wait for him to to dot to dial in. Uh, Joe Kent. We'll have we'll uh, love, love the discussion with uh, with Joe. And uh, how he plans to um, to help uh, Washington, the state of Washington, um, regain its patriotism. I, I try not to get too political, but, you know, folks, I mean, come on. You know, it's like uh, D.C. is, you know, with or without Trump ever entering office, D.C. Is, is like, uh, you know, the biggest... Opera House, biggest playhouse uh, on the planet. Everybody's puppeted, and and, and okay. So scale back in. What are you talking about? Well, let's 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 talk about the Federal Reserve Bank, nineteen thirteen, Woodrow Wilson passing that act. Um, let's talk about the year prior. Not even a year. Uh, the Rockefeller found. Uh, excuse me. The Rockefeller Foundation uh, coming to existence because of the breakup of Standard Oil. Are there are there are there are there things that mesh there? Yeah, there's a reason. The Federal Reserve. Uh, the Federal Reserve is a private central bank that's totally unconstitutional to the United States. It's 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 not legal in regards to the United States Constitution. Okay, yes, fine. So I don't have a JD from Harvard that backs that statement up. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is that the banking system in the United States is a complete tyrant. It has a tyrannical power over these citizens, over the people. What does that mean? It means a Does its shareholders, the shareholders of the Federal Reserve, they do what they want to do with the United States government. They send the U.S. military where they want to send it. They feed the media outlets what they want the narrative to play out as. And they manipulate the education system. So if it's not for people like me and hopefully you speaking out against it, the United States ceases to exist. Yes, the United States will Fall and it'll crumble. And if you know, if 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 you've been living your life normal, if you've been fortunate enough to live your life normal the past two years, and you haven't seen these Marxist attacks in forms of BLM and in form of Antifa, and you haven't seen the total tyrannical measures of Big Pharma being injected into people's bodies. And you haven't seen either either one of those three elements of living in the United States today, well, you're fortunate. But if you have seen it, you need to speak up and out against it, or your country will continue to fall. Let's just call it as it is. Okay, it will continue to fall. We we are living a this is why the research and the work that Alana is doing is so important. Because she's taking it to the next level. She's looking at things from a broader spectrum. She's saying, "Okay, well, hmm, okay, advancements in technology. How does that equate?" Joe Kent, let's get Joe Kent on the show right now I'll make room for, for Joe Kent. Joy, Joe Kent, join the program. Joe Kent, welcome to, to hey, discussion. Hey, the hey. truth. Can you hear me? Sorry, sir? you can you hear me. Yes, I can hear you. I got you. Yeah. Fantastic! Welcome to the program. We both have American flags. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Doing, doing well. You know, doing just great. Doing, doing just great. Um, I appreciate uh, what you're, what, what you're doing and what you're, what you're standing up for. You're standing up for your country. You're trying to make a difference. You're making a difference, and it's, uh, you me. know, it's an honor to have you uh, run for office and uh and 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 represent what you represent give give uh give listeners give folks uh viewers and listeners give a little background joe as to who you are um how you've served your country in the past
1: sure so i spent a little over 20 years in the army special operations kind of joined right before the war on terror kicked off that was kind of all i ever wanted to do when the war on terror started i was right where i wanted to be did 11 combat deployments for this country um, as a Green Beret, mostly, and then uh, transferred, actually formally retired from the military in 2018, started a second career immediately in the CIA as a paramilitary operations officer. Um, That career was cut short because my late wife, who was also in the military, also a special operator, was killed fighting ISIS in Syria uh, in 2019. So after that happened, I I had to step away uh, to take care of our our two young sons, stop putting myself in in physical danger. Um, But I wanted to... Continue to serve the country for a main reason was my wife was killed about a month after Trump attempted to get our troops to Syria the first time. I had been a longtime supporter of President Trump based on his stances, mostly on foreign policy, but really him just being anti-establishment. I feel that the war on terror has been a really good view of how the establishment has failed the American people. And we, we saw that kind of come crashing down. Uh, in Afghanistan. I I witnessed it firsthand uh, in Syria. So Trump let us defeat the Islamic Caliphate, gave us the authorities to do that. And then once he reached the military objective, he tried to pull our troops out. And that's when the entire deep state, the establishment, the national security blob, whatever you want to call them, turned against Trump, turned against the duly elected commander in chief, thereby turning against the American people. And that resulted in my wife and the forces she was deployed with staying in Syria and longer than they should have been deployed there because Trump attempted to get them out. A month later, my wife and three other great Americans were killed by an ISIS suicide bomber. So my wife's death is the direct result of failed foreign policy, Um, really not just failed foreign policy in the sense that we went off on this foreign adventure. She needed to go participate in helping crush the Islamic Caliphate, but she could have been out once that mission was accomplished. She wasn't killed necessarily because of some foreign policy debacle. She was killed because of the hubris of the establishment. They wanted to keep a war going. Trump attempted to end it. So despite the personal grief that I was going through, I I felt that it was my duty as someone who had committed my life and sworn to support and defend the Constitution to start speaking out as much as I could to to provide some some clarity and insight to the American people, in particular about foreign policy. So I started doing that as soon as 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 I resigned from the government and um, after my wife was killed kind of developed a, a special relationship with the Trump administration. I met Trump um, at Dover, which is exactly where Joe Biden was two weeks ago, checking his watch because he couldn't be bothered with watching baskets of our fallen come off the aircraft. But I had a much different experience with President Trump. Not only was he per- per- personally very gracious to me, as you would expect commander in chief to be, I also told him what my background was and said, hey, I, you, you don't you don't see this from my perspective. I, I'm in these wars. But you're actually getting this right, but your mid to senior level commanders, they're turning against you. So please continue to follow and trust your gut. And and from there, Trump actually reached out to me, not him personally, but folks in his administration, and kind of let me provide some insight with foreign policy. So I was going to go back. I had an invitation to go back and work in the second Trump administration in the NSC. Um, as all this is happening, though, I decided to move away from D.C. to return back to where I'm from, the, the great Pacific Northwest, to get my children closer to my family to help fill, fill that void after they lost their mother when they were very young. So as I'm doing that, 2020 happens, the COVID lockdowns happen, uh, massive rioting by Antifa and BLM terrorists takes place out here. Um, and the whole time, the, I live in this small area that's right between Portland and Seattle, still a very conservative district were represented by a congresswoman who's a Republican, in theory, Jamie Herrera-Butler. As all this is going on, she's saying nothing. She's not doing anything to help prevent it. Antifa's burning uh, businesses, marching into our district. She says nothing until it's time to vote with the Democrats to stop Trump from deploying the National Guard. So I was already not very happy with Jamie Herrera-Butler. Then the election of 2020 went the way that it did. Um, we saw all the fraud. We saw how it was pretty much rigged. Jamie Herrera-Butler, again, says nothing. She votes to certify. And then a couple of days later, after January 6th, she goes and votes for the impeachment of president trump so seeing that the totality of everything that the establishment was failing to do to keep us safe everything the far left was doing to come after us between the lockdowns the riots I knew that I had to start fighting back and, and, and to do something because really at the end of the day, I have two young sons who lost their mother when they were very young. And I'm going to have to look them in the eyes and explain to them this is the country that their mother gave her life for. And right now, the condition that we're in, I can't do that. So I never had any intention of running for office, being a politician, any of that stuff. I viewed myself very much as a behind-the-scenes kind of guy, especially being a special operator. Um, but right now, the, the, the war appears on many fronts that have come home. So... I really, without much of a plan, after Jamie voted, Jane Harry Butler voted for impeachment, I literally Googled, how do you run for Congress? I did an FEC filing, made my announcement video, reached out to the folks I knew in the Trump administration and said, hey, I don't know if this is what you guys want. I feel like this is the right thing to do. I'm going for it. And we've been off to the races ever since.
0: And do you have Donald's endorsement?
1: Dude, we just got that about uh, two weeks ago. Very grateful, very honored. I have the endorsement of President Trump. Absolutely
0: fantastic, My Yeah, I, I was, I was pushing a former Google uh, employee he worked for Google for seven years. He's known as the Google whistleblower, Zach Voorhees. And last October, uh, we befriended uh, his daughter Tiffany. We had Donald walk into a room, and uh, he had some nice words to say to uh, Zach and myself. Um, so Joe, uh, you, well, you've said a lot there in, 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 your introduction. You've got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of passion behind what you bring. But let's, let's bring, let's, let's bring into perspective for listeners of what you're talking about establishment. And in your view, I want this coming from you, Joe, as someone who's been, uh, as you say, behind the scenes, Green Beret, special ops. Um, why is it that Trump, uh, why is it that he's talking about deep state and fake news? Um, what is the deep state? Is that the same thing as the establishment that you're talking about? What What is that to you, Joe? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is the establishment. I mean, everybody has their own different nomenclature, but I, I don't think you have to be um, deeply read in, in the government or really even the economy to understand that we have a ruling class. Some of them serve in government. Some of them serve in Wall Street and a lot of them serve in the media. They all generally want the same things and they view the American people really as just this stepping stone to get what they want or this thing that they need to suppress and sort of keep um, pacified or in some cases keep completely and totally silenced. We've seen that with our jobs being shipped overseas. We're seeing that right now with the massive transfer of wealth, small businesses being killed off, First Amendment rights being trampled all over with the COVID lockdowns. But the transfer of wealth that's resulted in with all the major corporations, Wall Street, Blackstone buying up housing, you can see all that. Within the government, there is a There's an administrative state in the government of non-elected bureaucrats. There's foot soldiers in every organization. I mean, it's easy for people who understand basically the military. You go to join the military when you're 18 or you get a commission as an officer and you're a ground pounder. Your job is to go fight in some form. Either you're a direct fighter or you're supporting it. But then as you climb your way up in the ranks, usually way after the 20-year period, you have the potential of becoming a politician and becoming a D.C. Insider. No one elected you to that, but you can endure administration after administration if you know how to play the game and you know how to keep plying your trade and keep the funds flowing in. And it's the same basically for every different organization within the government. People get this real nefarious uh, overtone, especially with the intelligence community, and rightfully so, especially seeing how a lot of the those uh, tools of the intelligence community have been turned against American citizens. For political reasoning, but it's the same thing. There's great people in the intelligence community. I was proud to serve there um, that are at the, the foot soldier level, I would say, as intelligence collectors, you know, actually out there grabbing intelligence, risking their lives to do so from the shadows. Analysts, really smart folks out there analyzing it. But then the same thing, you, you have these career minded people that usually somewhere around the the 20-year mark, maybe the 15-year mark, they decide that really what they want to do is they want to be a beltway survivor. And they, they know how to play the political game. And there's massive amounts of these people. And so when a new administration comes in, they're expected to kind of have their group of folks that they're going to bring in but it's really the same self-looking ice cream cone many of them they serve in government for a period and, and an administration comes they go and they work in a think tank that supports the intelligence community that supports the defense department or they go and work in a university or they go work as a defense contractor And you just see this revolving door they ebb and they flow in and out of them you get an outsider and the republicans and the democrats are guilty of this so that's why I lump them in usually. Uniparty establishment, those are very both useful and appropriate terms. You get an outsider like President Trump, and he comes in, and unfortunately, he just doesn't have that deep of a bench because he wants to do things that are completely against what the Beltway wants. He's doing what the American people want. He views his job as putting the American people in the room, in the deal, as Trump would say. Um, to do things like bring jobs back and really bring back the backbone of our economy, get us out of wars that we don't need to be in. If we have to be in a war, win the dang thing, crush the enemy, but then get us out. And that really cuts against you know, the donor class. That really cuts against what Wall Street wants in terms of like they, they just want cheap and free labor. So whether that's Americans, whether that's illegal immigrants, whether that's Chinese slaves, that's all they want economically on the foreign policy side, all they really want is continuous war because then you can sell literally more widgets. You buy it from the military industrial complex, from the defense contractors. The think tanks are helping giving you the ideological fuel for that, but all the money's being pretty much shipped overseas, but that's good for business in the beltway. So you have all these people, someone like Trump comes in and he's like, I don't want to do any of this. This is all a horrible deal. And so that's why you just saw this revolt. And then the media is, the media is just as guilty. They're part of it as well too. So that's I don't know if I did a very good job of explaining it there, but that's how I view the establishment and the deep state, and Republicans and Democrats are guilty of it. You know, probably, yeah. but Republicans are probably even more guilty
0: of it. Who is who is who is the deep state benefiting? And we've got you know we have got Trump basically being elected in 2016 off of the motto of "Make America Great Again." The whole MAGA movement, and it sounds like in the past couple of days he's saying he has no choice but to run again. Uh, I, don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what that means, no choice, but, uh, but you run again, and it seems like perhaps the motto will be save America. Um, is, is the deep state, if it's not benefiting America, who is it benefiting, Joe? What do you think?
1: I really even think, I mean, um, not to nitpick terms, deep state's almost like it used to be the deep state, but now it's just like the up in your face state, especially of Joe Biden, because they don't try to hide anything. I mean, it's all right up there in our grill. And so I'm glad that Trump is like, hey, I have to go do this. Uh, But really who it's benefiting is it's benefiting the elite. I, I say permanent ruling class a lot. Um, the government we talked about. I think the the Wall Street donors and and really the top of the Wall Street pyramid. You know, I'm not I'm not AOC if my tax the rich uh, dress on, but like the multi billionaires, the top 25 or so folks. You know, your Mark Zuckerbergs, uh, your Jeff Bezoses, your Soroses, Those guys are controlling a massive amount of wealth and they're influencing governments, the, these elite right there, they really truly believe that they should be governing the world with one world system. They, you know, are good friends of all the folks in Davos. They're funding a lot of the folks in Davos. It's this whole move towards, you know, what you heard Senior Bush way back in the day in the early 90s say, as, the, as the new world order. It's, it's, it's very much a real thing, but it's not really going to be organized by governments. The power brokers in this are truly these massive oligarchs. And this is where some of the architecture and the ideology of the Republican Party has been absolutely exploited against us because the Republican Party, we love the free market. Like we talk about the free market. Keep keep the government out of them out of the free market. Otherwise, it's socialism and you must hate America if you even think about any kind of regulation on these multi-billionaires, because Reaganomics would tell us that the more billionaires there are, the more, more that's going to trickle down. But that just hasn't been the case because our system and our ideals have been exploited against us by a very greedy elite and the greedy elite. They love having a very submissive, very predictable Republican party and Democrat party that basically want the same things. They want that free, cheap labor and they want to keep interventions going overseas and they want massive amounts of immigration and they want a very, they want a ballot box that can be very manipulated, but it's very predictable. So on everything I just said, Trump is like the anti, he's, he's the opposite of that. Like he wasn't supposed to win in the first place. He was never supposed to get to have any of his crazy ideas like ending wars, putting American jobs first and sealing our borders. None of that was ever supposed to come to fruition. So when Trump won in 2016, like he shocked the system. You see that in the media, like the man broke the media um, on, on every level, both because he was able to hold up a mirror to them and show them how absurd they were, but also because he actually they didn't think to suppress any votes. They didn't think to cheat, and he won. And so now, now I think we're seeing what used to be the deep state come to the surface. And now I, it, it it feels to me very much like the motivations of the folks at the very top are they're just so clear right now. And and I think we've especially with what's happened in the last two three weeks of that with Afghanistan, um, it's a lot of it's just coming to light.
0: I want you to talk about uh, the incumbent Jamie Herrera. Butler and 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 how you will change your district when you're elected. I want you to get in a little bit uh, about that. But first off. Uh What's happening in your view with this vaccine? You know, now, now Biden wants a mandatory vaccination on all federal employees. We got, last, last I looked, 21 governors that are saying, no, we will not comply in our state. And he wants all small businesses or medium sized, any business with a hundred, over a hundred, he wants all businesses, a hundred, employees or more to be vaccinated. What's, it, it seems like madness to me, Joe. Well, what's your opinion on the vaccines?
1: yeah i mean really it it seems like madness on a logical level but if you think about it in terms of controlling population it's actually fairly efficient and i don't mean to control like there's some magic serum inside the vaccine that's going to turn you into a robot i think the vaccines are what they are I, i know folks that worked on um operation warp speed and operation warp speed was done to give us a vaccine so that we could start to have the economy return to some form of normalcy. There was never supposed to be any government compulsion behind Operation Warp Speed. It was simply supposed to give people the option of a vaccine and everyone knew it was called Operation Warp Speed, it was rushed through. So everyone should know there, there there's some risks here, you know? And so if you're of the, the demographics where like it, risk versus reward, it might make sense then by all means get the vaccine. So. I'm not conspiratorial in, in terms of like, what's actually in the shot that's going into your arm. I think people can make their own decisions. What I do think, the beauty of the vaccines and the way that a lot of these governors, our governor included here in Washington State, Jay Inslee, who for people who aren't familiar, he's basically the Cuomo of the West Coast. So everything that Cuomo did, Inslee did too, he just somehow stayed out of the news. So he was packing, people, he was packing sick people into old, old people's homes and killing them. He was trying to stop Trump from doing the, the uh, travel ban from China. All that type of stuff. We're back to full draconian lockdowns. We barely came out of them. He's he's in a, on a warpath to kill off businesses. He was doing, just trying to do statewide vaccine uh, mandates before Joe Biden's big address. So that's what we're living in here. But what, what I think with the vaccine, what the vaccine does is here, if you're trying to get control of a population, there's one key piece of data that you need from people that's very valuable. Will you or will you not submit when the regime says? When the person that's seeking power, will you do what they say? And to me, the most binary piece of information that you can get from a person really fast is like, will you take the vaccine? Will you not? Yes or no? And if, if they say yes, okay, that's great. Now you know that, that that person, you can get them to do what you you need to have done. Come back and every now and again say, take another booster shot and see if they change their mind, Right. If they say no, they warrant additional scrutiny because really if you're trying to control a population, it's tough to do because of resources. So you can now dedicate your resources towards the people that said no or in Joe Biden's words – You can start protecting the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. You can start making things very inconvenient for the unvaccinated. So to me, it's just a very clever tool of control. I mean, I've served, like I said, overseas. I was in uh, Iraq, and we were trying to get a hold of the population and really determine who in the Iraqi population, this population we weren't familiar with, but was scattered between urban and rural. We were trying to figure out, it, it was very important for us to determine who was on our side and who wasn't on our side and like to what degree. And so we had all these crazy different metrics and we tried to figure it out and we had linguists, and we had people that are experts in culture. It was tough, we never cracked the vote on it. However, had we been able to go to people and been like, Do you, will you, will you or will you not take this shot? And that would have told us like basically their, how much that they would give to the, the regime or to the occupation it would have been very valuable data to have. So I, I look at it from from that optic right there. And I've even had discussions with, I've gone to a bunch of different school board meetings. They've been putting vaccine clinics in some of the high schools here in Washington State. That's how crazy our governor is. And I asked some of these school board leaders, I was like, hey, if kids do get vaccinated, where does the information go? Like who's, who's, who's controlling like, who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been. And, and a lot of them are, it's being compiled at the state level, and then it's being shared with the CDC. So they're tracking which kids are getting these shots. You can overlay that with the school the school roster. If the kids get the shots, it's safe to assume the parents got the shots. If the kid didn't get the shot, safe to assume the parents probably didn't get the shots. That just helps you sort through data. I mean, that's half of what intelligence work is all about, is sifting through massive amounts of data. So I, I personally believe it's all a massive... It's just a way to get control of the population and to determine who's going to give you a hard time and who's not. And then and Biden's speech the other night, it goes even further because with that becomes comes this whole culture that the media and the government have pushed that if you are against the vaccine or you're against masks, you're a bad person. Basically, if if you question anything the government says, you are a bad person, and they're going to watch you. And Jen Psaki and Biden are bragging about their relationship with Facebook and Instagram and how they need to start combing through all this stuff to look for disinformation about the vaccine. So, like, we know it's no joke that Big Brother's actually watching. They're cooperating with Big Tech. Again, this is where the the technocrats and the oligarchies, I, I think they are the, going to be – they are the ones that are the vehicles for all this control. It's not necessarily – going to be government government might be like the smokescreen every now and again you see government doing some things but really i think big tech and these massive uh oligarchies that we have that have so much control over our lives already they're going to be the ones that are really they they can move faster than the the government um and so they're going to be the vehicle for it but the vaccine i think is just a tool of control
0: yeah, so it's really a question of who's who's ultimately controlling, uh, big tech, and if it's, it's if it's you know, sim- simply uh, the people that you're mentioning, or is there is there somebody behind that? as it go a little bit deeper? Who is this uh, Jamie Herrera B- Butler, and wh- what? what I mean, we know you've already said she she voted to impeach. She's a, she's a Republican. She's a Rhino Republican in name only, it seems. Uh, she voted to impeach the president. Um, wh- what what needs to change in your district? How will you change it, Joe?
1: I mean, so just to lay it out, I mean, she is way before the whole impeachment vote. She was already barely a Republican. I mean, she called herself a Republican. And basically what that means is she's she a California tax cuts.
0: Is she California? She's California,
1: yeah. She's originally from <laughs> California, but really she's, a, she's Beltway. I mean, her and I are the same age. So when she graduated high school, she went to college. And then after college, she got a job interning for Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who's another— sort of kind of republican up here in washington state and then she went and she won a seat in the uh, the state representative as, as a state rep and then she kind of slid into an uncontested election here for this seat about 11 years ago and since then she's just been very she's kept a very low profile um, she's been strong on some pro-life stuff so i would definitely give her credit for that other than that though she's really just voted for tax cuts And yes, I'll give her credit for uh, voting pro-life generally, but the Republicans before Donald Trump were so horrible about pushing pro-life legislation and advocating for pro-life, it was easy to be pro-life because you never had to make a stand. You could just say, I am very pro-life, but no one was ever going to be like, okay, well, now we're going to go fight for it. So that never happened until Trump. Then when Trump came in, she just, for whatever reason— Just Trump rubbed her the wrong way in 2016. Hated Trump. She admitted she's tweeted about it, like that she penciled in uh, Paul Ryan as the president in 2016. But then she continued. I mean, and look, a lot of that's horrible. I mean, a a lot of people did that, did stuff like that. But they kind of came around to Trump because he performed she never did i mean every time that we needed her to stand tall especially those first two years when we had control of the house we had control of the senate we had president trump in the white house she was one of the obstructors. she was usually quiet about it but she voted to stop construction of the southern border wall she's voted for amnesty for illegals every single chance she gets which is where when i when i talk about like how there's so many financial incentives from the the corporate donor class with immigration it goes back to cheap labor I mean, she votes for amnesty time and time again because she's supported by a lot of these major corporations, Amazon, a lot of these big farming organizations. They don't want to pay Americans a fair American wage to work. So they would rather see Americans be out of a job and pay illegal immigrants that they can either bring across an unsecure southern border or they can just grant amnesty to Um, as opposed to actually having to pay Americans. So she's part of that scam right there. And then voting to stop construction of the southern border wall, like I said, for folks who aren't familiar with the district, we're right between Portland and Seattle, two very radical sanctuary cities. We're essentially a border town. I can go into more detail about the border, but we've had a massive amount of crime and drugs get pumped into our district because I-5 runs right through. So a lot of that comes right through here, just about a month ago, we tragically lost a sheriff deputy who was killed during a counter-narcotics operation. And to me, it goes back to my military uh, my military days and, and overseas. Like, There's a direct correlation between the failure of our lawmakers to enact good policy and men and women on the front lines losing their lives. And I say that, hey, that death is on her as well. She did nothing to secure the southern border. That deputy was out there trying to defend our community from fentanyl being shipped from China and pushed up here by the cartels. Next thing you know, he's killed trying to defend us. Well, had we had that southern border wall when we had control of the House and the Senate, we wouldn't have this problem. She also, like I said, uh, when, I, when I was first talking, Antifa BLM, the lawlessness is a huge issue. We've had them march from Portland into Vancouver, where she has a, um, she actually has one of her district offices march right by her district office. She says nothing. The crass business owner. It's gotten pretty bad here. We've had shootouts recently on the streets of Portland. We had a person from this district was shot in the foot at a anti-mask protest by Antifa up in our state capital in Olympia just two weeks ago. So this violence has continued to escalate to what stuff that I saw overseas, rival gangs clashing on the streets because the police can't do anything. She's been completely silent on that. You, she won't touch it. Until it's time to vote with the Democrats to stop Trump from deploying the National Guard when Portland was really burning last summer. So she took a tool out of the toolbox of the commander in chief as he's trying to solve a crisis, which to me, again, with my military hat on like, hey, lead follower, get out of the way, but don't start taking tools out of the toolbox of the guy who's trying to solve a problem completely and totally unacceptable and just disconnected from the struggles that people have here in their everyday lives. Because this lawlessness is a major issue because with it just comes this rot in our cities, homelessness, drug use, all that type of stuff. So those are some of her highlights. She also voted uh, to help save Obamacare. She voted, she voted to help save the uh, the Affordable Care Act when we could have gotten rid of it and we could have repealed it. And again, that thing has been a, uh, a huge weight on the back of business owners and people that are just trying to em- employ other folks you know so it's just something else that prevents the growth of regular businesses but benefits these major corporations and that's where she's giving all her backing from got it that's 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 jamie in a nutshell for hours
0: (laughs) yeah i mean and if we are talking about uh a, a plant or a mole uh she's she's quite possibly uh fits the profile from what it sounds like um what is the issue here with uh with this escalation of violence and and you talk uh, Joe, you, you, you talk about, you're a, you're a highly trained, uh, soldier, uh, you, you talk about the war now coming home. This is interesting because I'd befriended, I'd befriended somebody a number of years ago, five years ago, uh, that was saying, uh, that was saying something of a similar, uh, magnitude, uh, and he was seeing this from his point of view five years ago. What does that mean? For listeners to understand what you're the message you're trying to convey here, that the war that you fought over Sears Now, now your your wife has uh, unfortunately passed away in Syria, but you mentioned being at, uh, in Iraq. I would assume perhaps Afghanistan as well. What was the war that you saw that is now come home full circle to your homeland? What is that war, Joe? Uh, and how are you apart from uh, apart from uh, uh, running for office here? What are you doing in your day to day uh, to to defend your, defend from that?
1: Right now, I think what, what people are are starting to see is that the government wants more and more control. The co- COVID just gave them the excuse. And then really also the data that the government collected from COVID that Americans, unfortunately, a lot of Americans have gone along with these intrusions. So they're taking more and more control. Biden's speech the night I, I felt was extremely radical. We just closed down our longest war in Afghanistan. Um yeah. And so now we have all this apparatus for counterinsurgency operations, for monitoring and trying to control populations, for trying to track resistance groups, terrorist groups, we're gonna label them, that that all that apparatus, that gear physically, but then also all that knowledge, it needs, to, it needs a new target. And really what governments will do overseas, they will do back home eventually if there's not proper oversight. And as you can see right now, our proper oversight is completely and totally out to lunch. Congress has been derelict in their duties with a few exceptions for quite a while now. Use of military force. There's been very little accountable, accountability for how many times the intelligence community has stepped the line. If you look at General Flynn, if you look at the January 6th narrative, um, if you look at the uh, Michigan kidnapping plot, there's just so many examples over there and hasn't been reined in. But now you have this government apparatus that wants to be able to label anybody who dissents either to the COVID narrative or to the January 6th. Hey, there was pro- there was problems with the election, which I don't think is very controversial to say right now. I'm comfortable with saying it was rigged, it was stolen. I feel that we have the data to support that. But I think even if you disagree with or you're not comfortable with saying something as strong as rigged or stolen, I don't think you need to be hyper-partisan right now if you were to look at it objectively to say like, there are some discrepancies there that maybe we should address, but the regime, the government, the Biden administration doesn't want us to even say that you say that and you're painting, a, you're painting a target to a certain degree on yourself. Um, and again, it goes back to like, can you sort, th- can the government sort through all that data? And yes, they have tools to do it, but then comes this great, this great past, this COVID, and especially with this COVID vaccine Yes or no? Will you take it? Will you not? Are you going to give me a problem? Because if you're going to take it and you're not going to give me that much of a problem, then you can have all that crazy conspiracy theories and you can post on Facebook oh, all day. I really don't care. I know you're not going to be a problem, you know, because you, you went ahead and you submitted to that. So I think a lot of that apparatus is is coming home. The other way that I think a lot of the um, I would say the wartime footing has come home here has been what the left has done with Antifa and with BLM. So the, the use of proxies who will act on behalf of a political organization, we, I, I've seen that all, all over the world. I mean, you have your political front, and they are the guys in suits, and they're like, here's our political objective, and we're very reasonable people. But then when they don't get what they want, there's some other guys who, like, they're not linked to, but you know they really are linked to, that go and do violent things. I mean, the Democrat Party has – they barely even put a thin veil between them, Antifa, and BLN. Kamala Harris, sitting vice president when she was United States senator, was posting, hey, if you guys can donate to the bail funds of the people burning down major U.S. cities, do it. Like absolute places i never thought that we'd be in america there's a militant wing of the democrat party and of the left and they will expeditiously deploy them to go burn down different cities they seek sanctuary right to my north and my south in portland and seattle so we're on the front lines of it here new york too to a certain extent but antifa's birthplace in the u.s really is between portland and seattle on the i-5 corridor running right through our district but these guys have Deployed whenever the Democrats want to light cities on fire for political gain. And during 2020, it was all political gain. I mean, they they took the the incident with George Floyd and they exploited that. Never let a crisis go to waste. I mean, that's that's their doctrine, and they are very effective with it. So that that use of proxy groups right there. And I don't think there's a direct line that you can draw to the right because if the right did have a conspiracy and they wanted to use one of these groups that's like Proud Boys or whatever, well then we're it, then we really suck at it. You know, so I, we we don't really do that, you know, and I don't think we should. I don't want to go that direction. But the the left has been very effective with deploying Antifa and BLM, and then you they've played the long game too, where they have prosecutors and they have mayors who will just let this stuff happen, and these guys will never get charged, and then they're getting their funding from suspicious entities, you know, and all that type of stuff. But that's that's how I see the war coming right here, right now.
0: How how important is uh, is your is your district and the overall landscape of 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 the state of Washington, Joe? How how important is your district?
1: Very important. I mean, we are right now. We are one of two red districts that touch the Pacific and the whole continental United States. So Alaska obviously is red, but the continental United States, there's two that touch the Pacific. We're one of them. In terms of Washington State, we have a large section of the Columbia River that goes in between Oregon and Washington and then dumps out in the Pacific Ocean. Numerous ports that are very critical to commerce, especially if we are going to continue the Trump economic agenda of getting our manufacturing back online and not being constantly in a trade deficit. If we're going to start exporting again, the timber industry has its heart right here in this district between us and Oregon, all of them down the Pacific Northwest. And that's absolutely been gutted by environmentalism. But then again, also the horrible trade deals that we've we've cut over the years and the overregulation of that industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry that we've really haven't tapped into really since like the late 70s or early 80s. That's done horrible things to our economy. It's done horrible things here socially. Um so we are incredibly important, I think. We also have the I-5 corridor that cuts through here. So interstate commerce coming between Mexico and Canada and everything in between. And that infrastructure, I could go on for hours about it. It's It's not doing well at all. It's crumbling. There's places where we need additional bridges to get across the rivers that really, again, affects trade in North America. So we're, we're very critical. And, again, we're on the front lines between Antifa in Portland and Antifa in uh in seattle both of them are sanctuary cities we also have a lot of border issues i was just down in yuma with the great representative paul gosar and it, it's amazing how many issues that start right down there in the arizona deserts that you think have no correlation to what's going on up in the pacific northwest like they're they're you know inextricably linked so it's a very it's a very critical issue and then also again just being in the district of one of the impeachment voters in a place that's surrounded by blue districts. So Republicans have played this hostage game for a very long time where it's like, if you don't vote next to the, if you don't vote for the person with the R next to their name, that corporate GOP tells you to vote for it's going to be Democrat and you have no choice. And so like they, they, they hold us hostage. I mean, I, I've been guilty of that too. Like I voted for Jamie Herrera Butler cause it was like, okay, well, if I don't vote for her, I get some absolute lunatic leftist from Portland. That's really the choice we've been given. And that gives People like Jane or Butler a blank check They can do whatever the hell they want Because they're never held accountable Because anytime anybody talks about accountability They go wait guys if we divide uh, Then we're going to get the Democrats elected So right now we're also a referendum On traditional Do nothing GOP Versus America first And that's that's what's at stake right here right now
0: Yeah and and, and there's no doubt That there are uh, This is a whole story that uh, that I'm quasi looking at right now is the cartel influence in the southern in the, in these in these border states so so you uh, uh showing an example if you will of how the trickle up effects of a loosely guarded border and the infiltration of the cartel even in u.s political seats what it sounds like uh is uh is incredibly uh important to uh to consider Um uh, Joe, uh what's the what's the first thing that you do when you're elected? What's what's the first thing you do when you're elected?
1: Adjudicate the election of twenty twenty. So we, <laughs> we can't move on as a country yeah. until we until we until we secure our elections, but we will not let them get away with what happened in twenty twenty. So right now I think that we have enough data and enough receipts to prove that Joe Biden didn't get 20, did not get 270 electoral votes. I think if we focus on the places where a lot of the hard work has been done, Arizona, the great patriots down there. I just had a great conversation with Wendy Rogers, who's an absolute warrior. Uh, Proud to have her endorsement because she's been on the front lines. The work that's been done in Arizona, the work that's been done in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. One of the first people I hired for my campaign was Matt Brainerd, who ran uh, the Voter Integrity Project found a lot of the ballot-level fraud in multiple states. Um, and so what I wanted to do, because the yep. problem we've had with voter fraud so far, it's not that we've failed to find it. We have failed to have a venue for adjudication. I, I get it. The courts were supposed to do this, but the courts turned and ran like cowards. Like, they just simply said, like, well, we can't hear the case because of standing or because of latches. You're you're either too early or you're too late. Sorry. And so we're in this place right now where everyone, most American people know that we have data to present that leads to the conclusion that Joe Biden didn't get 270 electoral votes. So what I wanna do is actually have a full congressional hearing where Congress subpoenas witnesses, subpoena evidences, subpoenas evidence, lays it out for every state where there's fraud. And we show that to the American people. And from there we move on to impeachment and we impeach Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. A 12th amendment process could take place too from there unique formation from the state legislature, but I want Congress because of our subpoena power to provide that venue. And then from there, hopefully that leads to obviously getting rid of Biden, getting rid of Harris, but then give states enough data, enough information to, that their people demand that we actually get real voter uh, ID laws. We go back to in-person voting. I would want to present legislation that has a national standard for voter ID. We have a national standard for ID to buy a beer. You know, like the, the fact sure. that we don't have a national standard for ID to like show up and vote is absolute insanity. So election integrity, uh, the election of 20, uh, 2020 is my number one issue. Um, right behind that is the Trump economic issue. And that to me, that kind of breaks down into – into two three different categories really one is the american family so the, the left has full control over not just all three branches of government but they also have the media they also have social media the one thing they don't have control of is what they're going after right now that's what crt is all about that's what a lot of the COVID's is about and that's the american families the american families right now are vulnerable because of obviously all the moral decay that we've had but also the economic situation we've been put in where you basically in order to have kids you have to have two parents work and then also you're left of having your kids stuck in these schools that are indoctrination camps, like in every way, way, shape and form. So school vouchers, school choice, if you choose to pull your kids out of school the money follows you and that's going to make the schools actually responsive to what the parents want and then i think we need to have really really lucrative um, child tax credit deductions ten thousand dollars per child because right now like basically you, one parent's income goes just to child care and the american dream isn't two parents working eight nine hour days and their kids being raised by babysitters nannies or teachers you know, we need to have the incentive package that if you have skin in the game, if, you, if one parent is working and they're at a level that's just that, that's above the poverty line. So they're not receiving any of their state assistance. You should get those vouchers for your kids so one parent can stay home and they can raise their kids. That empowers and strengthens the, strengthens the American family. From there, we've got to fix our economy. So we have to get on a wartime footing to bring back manufacturing. We have to deregulate our natural uh our natural resources sector so that's going to give us the ability to be independent from the chinese communist party from any other foreign country as far as actual manufacturing goes as far as actual natural energy goes Um, but that's also on on a moral level that's going to give a person the ability to graduate from high school and get a decent paying job that lets them support that family that lets them buy a house and, and just be a member of society and not have to leave their small town not have to take on a bunch of student loan debt only to find out later on that once they get done with college and they have all the student loan debt, that most of the jobs they wanted were taken by legal immigration, the H-1 b visas and all those other tech visas that have gutted out our mid to, uh, mid to high school level job economy. Um, So that's why we have to get our manufacturing back online. Then from there, immigration. Obviously, seal the southern border is huge. Get rid of birthright citizenship if you're here illegally. Get rid of chain migration. And then I think the legal immigration system has to be gone through with a fine-tooth comb and totally rewritten. So I'm definitely for the immigration moratorium. Pretty much any job, I like to pick on the H-1B visas because they've affected so many people here because I'm Gen X, and from Gen X on, we've been telling people that, like, you have to go to college and get, a, and, and get a job. Just take the debt, and there'll be a great white-collar job waiting for you at the end. Get a job in tech. And that was, that's was that been, by and large, a huge scam because we've saddled multiple generations now with this debt. They can't seem to climb out from underneath, while at the same time saying, we have to keep importing all these Indian kids because Americans are just too stupid to learn, to learn STEM. So we have to get rid of things like the H-1B visa system.
0: We lost, okay, we got a connection loss. See if we get Joe back here. Got a weak signal, this was my concern. Okay, Wi Fi's been pretty good today. Right about the 45 minute mark. Joe, okay, you back? Can you hear me? There we go. <laughs> there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got you. All
0: right, so you're talking about immigration and uh H1N1, yeah. the, or the, the. You're talking about the visas.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, full immigration moratorium to pretty much take away any ability for a foreigner to come into the country and take a job away from an American. And that's not because I don't like foreigners, you know, but really. At the end of the day, the question has to be, are we a country or are we just an economy? And I say that we have to be a sovereign country that cares very deeply for our people and will always put our people first and not just an economy. And, and this is where America first is really going to clash with a lot of the ideology of the right. I hit on that before. Like it can't. The answer can't just be whatever benefits the free market, whatever benefits the major hedge funds and, and the stock market. That can't be it. We have to put the American people and the American worker, the working class, the middle class we have to put them first. So that's uh, that's really the uh, the America First agenda to me, taking what we're blessed with here in America and harnessing it and utilizing it for our people and securing the heck out of our borders and our sovereignty.
0: Yeah, uh, Joe, I, I I love what you're saying. And, and, and as, as we wind down here, I want to get some comments in regards to big tech. You've got uh, recently uh, Gomert and uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, and some of these people being completely shut down uh, and silenced, uh, what will you do in regards to uh, making tech and free speech in that regard uh, or free posting or however? You know, it's, so, it's so loosely written, Section 230. Uh, what will you do to, uh, to, make, uh, to make the Internet of things, if you will, or just the Internet, social media, a, a freer space? I mean, you've got Donald Trump. Uh, being uh, kicked off of what was it kicked off of Facebook and Twitter uh, how do you, you know how does that how is that even legal but yet it happens
1: yeah. you know so uh, honestly I, I, I understand the section 230 argument but I think it's almost pointless at this point. I think that we need to use antitrust monopoly laws break up aggressively break up big tech, seize them imminent domain we can pay them for it I understand that. seize seize that and make it a public utility and i know there's a lot of conservatives like oh if you make it a public utility there's all kinds of issues there fine we'll deal with those issues as we go but right now we have to take the power away from the technocrats and away from the oligarchs yes people's first amendment speech being trampled on is absolutely horrible and absolutely un-american but go one step beyond that the amount of control right now that the internet of things has over all of us that should not be in the hands of these technocrats who have really not t- not given us one piece of data that says that they are patriotic and they care about the people of this country. They have only showed us that they have contempt for the American people and they want control of the American people. This is where we're a sovereign nation and not just an economy. And our, there's a government role here. And this is again make conservatives really really mad right now. This is where the government picks winners and losers. We go in and we seize it as a public utility and we just cut off their power 100%. Like that. That's what has to be. Done. so i'm fairly militant on on breaking up big tech
0: <laughs> that's what i like how you said that um and and by the way ron DeSantis uh said face to face said right to me uh he says we've got to dismantle these are exact words we have to dismantle google uh that was uh as a result of introducing him to uh to zach for he's the the google whistleblower um, some final words. Let's 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 wind down here, ladies and gentlemen. You've got Joe Kent sure. uh, running for U.S. Congress out of, uh, out of the state of Washington. We'll wind down here, Joe, and I want you to uh, again coming from coming from a, uh, a, a highly trained and sophisticated uh, U.S. soldier who now sees uh now sees the, some real threats uh, to to his country. Which uh, uh, you know the uh, people like you, Joe, as as listeners know or may not know, you, you've taken an oath. To defend the country from uh, from from uh, intruders, uh, domestic uh, and or foreign. Um, w- what do you have to say? You have some final words, uh, Joe. What uh, what are some final words from you uh, for listeners?
1: Right now, if you care deeply about this country, like this this fight is yours, and you have to get into the fight. I know after 2020, things are polarized. People are mad. If you're on the right, you're probably a little bit downtrodden right now, and you think the whole system's rigged. If you, for whatever reason, don't like identifying with the right, but you're conscientious enough to know that what's going on right now with the COVID restrictions and the way that the government is really coming after people, you know that this is a fight for our existence. If you care about the republic that we're going to pass off to our kids, this fight is for you. And I really want them to come and to join our movement because it's not even about right or left, Republican or Democrat. Those are all just labels. Right now, it's about do you care about this country and do you want it to survive? And we just had the the 20-year... Anniversary of 9/11. It was pretty emotional, I think, for a lot of Americans, especially for veterans. You know, and I I was feeling very down. The way that we exited Afghanistan, it really leads you to to ask, like, what was it all for? What all What what all of it was for was the fact that we. Those of us that went and fought for it, those of us that were furious on the day of 9-11, we cared deeply about our country, and we have to really focus on that. But we also have to focus on what has failed us since 9-11. It has been our establishment. It has been our permanent ruling class. There's equal blame with Republicans and with Democrats. That's why this movement isn't about the establishment anymore. This is about we, the people, taking our country back. So I hope people can join me. I hope people can join us. Things are bad right now, but we are the majority of the country. If we put our shoulder to the wheel and we work, we will take our country back. And we will be able to tell our kids and tell our grandkids where we were in this great fight and that we did everything that we could to take this nation back.
0: Joe, I look forward to staying in touch. Uh, Keep up the good work. And uh, Joe Kent for Congress. Uh, Joe, thanks a lot.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Joe Kent for Congress. Uh, That is a... uh, that is a fighter for you folks, that he is a, um, he's a genuine American patriot. He's a hero, uh, highly sophisticated. I mean, I, look, you know, this is interesting because, because the, the gentleman that I befriended, uh, this is, yeah, probably about 2015. So it's been six years. Uh, he was a former uh, ranger, army ranger. Um, and, uh, and, and he was, he was telling me, Again, this is over five years ago. He was telling me that uh, that that uh, basically he was telling me of a domestic intrusion uh, was happening, and I, I, I couldn't quite wrap the concept. couldn't couldn't really understand what he was talking about. I'm not military trained. Um, I experienced uh, the trade towers uh, falling. Uh, my my gut instinct, my gut instinct was to uh, to join the Marines. Period, period. I was furious, um, and uh, after a little more deliberation, internal thought, I uh, came to the uh, I came to the conclusion. No, no, I would not. Uh, I would not go to a foreign soil and uh, and kill uh, a supposed enemy. Um, and, and, and looking back at that decision, I I think it was definitely the right decision because as i now understand my understanding of uh, of this established well established uh, banking cartel that controls uh, controls the us government it's not it's it's a foreign entity folks it's it, it's a controlled by a foreign entity that's why that's why the Ameri- americans americans now for decades have been uh, you know kind of going stir crazy it starts with well it didn't start with vietnam but it came to light with vietnam right with the little flower power the rebellion the revolution wherever it started new york california cal berkeley and where it started but uh you know the the whole hippie hippie movement i think it's more east coast based than it is west coast based but certainly the the uh san francisco made it uh made it quite famous uh but yeah you know, that whole that whole kind of peace and love movement out of a rebel rebellious uh, uh, action uh, 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 from the, the war in vietnam uh you know and then some guy says to me in probably 2004 it happened to be in san francisco he says he and you what was the reason for vietnam what is this war was the implement democracy that was my that was my response and he says, oh, you know, consider, consider money, consider the money angle, consider, consider, consider that it was started by the French uh, over control of the rubber trees, Michelin tires. So why would that be important for America? Would be because of the Rockefeller establishment on the automobile. Okay. Yeah, no, they don't control automobiles in so much that they control automobile manufacturing, but they control how automobiles are ran. Gasoline. Okay, so oh that just spin things so anyway so Alex uh, I met in, in 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 probably 2015 and he says said domestic intrusion and then the Zika virus hits well over, over over the course of the next few years and here we are in 20 oh yeah 2021 now um it all kind of adds up it all makes sense you follow the money and if you follow the money folks then you get to the truth you get to the honesty you follow the money you follow Ben nuts and bolts that you just do. Okay, you just do. It's just a system that we allow, and it's a system that we're part of. Um, so we need, more than ever, people like Joe that are willing to defend the Constitution of the United States. And frankly, folks, if you, if you don't support the United Constitution, I ask you to uh, go elsewhere. Nobody's asking you to be in the United States. If you think, for instance, BLM, If you think that a Cuban-style communist government is a more productive form of government, then simply get on a raft, take a paddle, and go over to Havana. I'm sure they would gladly accept you. How many BLM people are there in the United States? I don't know. But every last one of them, as far as I'm concerned, can go over to to Havana. That's my opinion, and I can have that opinion. Because it's written in my constitution, and just like uh, Joe, I will defend that constitution, and this is the way that I defend it, by doing a weekly discussion. All right, it's called freedom of speech, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's a key- cornerstone. He's a keystone. He's a cornerstone, cornerstone to a free society. So what a what a wonderful day we've had here today on the program uh, with Alana Freeland. Someone who's been who was up close as a 16-year-old, up close and personal with the with the with the president John F. Kennedy, and uh, and now with uh, with Joe Kent, uh, and let's see that he can uh, do some do some do some very good things for his state of Washington and for his country, and um, and 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 I urge you to get behind both of them. Um. Make make three donations today. Take 15 bucks aside. <laughs> Make three donations. All right, well, you're gonna have to spend more than 15 bucks. I, Alana's book is probably 20. Go to Amazon, find her book, uh, transhumanism, the geoengineering, transhumanism. Buy Alana's book. Uh, donate to Joe's uh, Joe's um, uh, campaign. I, I, I'm sure he'll be glad to uh, to receive anything. Okay, any any amount, any any donation. Just 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 donate donate something towards what what he is doing um and there you go he's got the endorsement of donald trump himself and he's now got the endorsement of wendy rogers he's he's doing something something good and 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 folks people people are very upset with the election and it's not it's you know i I get this all the time it's like yeah it's oh hell ian you know hey you're a candidate he wasn't even my candidate Trump wasn't my candidate. Why? Oh, so he calls me a price fighter. I don't know why he calls me a price fighter. I look like a price fighter. Okay. He calls me a price fighter. It's a fact. You see it on my website, right? I think I've even got the video up there. He calls me a price fighter. Trump calls me. doesn't mean he's my candidate. Right? Um, But I didn't vote for Biden. I'll tell you that much. I did not vote for Biden. Who voted for Biden? Like, Fifty thousand people, maybe, or it's not fifty thousand. All right, let's say, okay. So you've got yeah, maybe fifty million. All right, so maybe you got you know New York City, um, the, the San Francisco Bay Area, half of LA, uh, take out Orange County, so LA County. Um, yeah, people in uh, places like Seattle, Portland. Uh, um, okay, these these are the the, the main populations spots Boston that voted for Joe Biden add up all those populations, you probably only have 50 60 million people. how many people voted for Trump? I you still see you can travel this country as I, as I, as I do, not on a regular basis, but enough. you still see Trump flags. I don't know, I guess I saw one Biden flag. I mean it's like, come on. and then it just totally deliberately squash any type of movement to at least run an audit right, oh, let's check the votes. Oh, I mean, I, 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 folks, domestic intrusion, it's here. Robert Spalding, Brigadier General, joined my program over a year and a half ago. It's probably closer to 2 years now. A um, year and a half ago. He says we have a stealth enemy. And these are these are people high levels of the United States military that are saying we are invaded. Well, my answer to that is that we have been invaded. We, being the United States of America, yes, I was born here, yes, I'm part of the country, uh, and I'm not talking about the corporation. Uh, the United States of America has been, you know, frankly, technically invaded by foreign power since 1913, Federal Reserve Act, which is unconstitutional, and everything that I read shows that the city of London via the Rothschild have a controlling entity through relationships with JP Morgan and the Rockefeller over the US Federal Reserve Bank which is a unconstitutional central bank okay so all central banks on the globe all feed back in to the bank of international settlements which regulate them all. That includes the Chinese Central Bank, established in 1945 after World War II. Basel, Switzerland. Gonna leave it at that for this week. We've had a great, great couple shows here, and uh, pass pass it along to a friend. Uh, keep keep just being you. Be, be, be you. And what I always sign off with is, you know, whatever you that is, whatever you that is. Okay? If you're if you're if you're if you're if you're simply wanting to make the world a better place by bringing more peace, bringing more discussion to the table, more more deliberation, more you know verbal exchange of um, whatever it may be, research facts, opinions. That's what it's all about. I Again, mean, that's all that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having the freedom to do that, express yourself freely. You don't agree with my comments? That's your that's your right. That's absolutely your right, right? But just 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 respect respect other people's comments. Don't don't say, oh no, you know we're gonna we're gonna take this person off of Twitter. We're gonna we're gonna censor this person. We do not. No, we will not allow this person to make that tweet. No, we will not. I mean, come on, Doctor Tenpenny. Uh, it's just it's gone too far, folks. It's gone too far. So you must. You must make a stand, and the uh, stand might be ma- sharing your opinion, or that stand might be sharing this episode with a friend or a family member and saying, "Oh, hey, this guy makes sense." Been at it now for almost five years. It'll be five years in, in January now. I've been been doing the research for five years because the Zika the Zika virus uh, made its way into Miami Beach. Uh, it was late August, 2016. Okay, and it was that January that I, out of out of out of invitation, someone asked me to do this. That I that I went into the to the studio there, the booth uh, for Winwood Radio, right in Windwood, and I've been doing this ever since. I've been doing it every Wednesday ever since. That was five years ago, and I do it for you. I don't I don't do this for me. Well, in part I do it for me because it's a way to express myself. So, yeah, I do it in part for me. But I do it for you. I do it so that you can understand that there's other avenues that should be considered. That America, as we were born into it, likely if you're – yeah, I mean you've been born into it. I don't think anybody lives – I don't think anybody living right now was born prior to 1913. I don't know. What's the oldest, the oldest person in the, the country? Maybe there's one or two of them. But likely, you were born into a system that was completely manipulated. And then I have to say, you—you can say, you can say, oh yeah, yeah. Close up shop here, but you can say, oh yeah, you know, Bill Gates is one of the wealthiest men in the world, Warren Buffett, one of the. Really? Are you seriously? You seriously think that these two people are wealthier? Then somebody like the Queen of England? <laughs> I, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And I think there's people above the Queen of England that are far wealthier. Like the Rothschild. I, I just do. That's my personal opinion. That's my personal opinion. Now, I mean, there might be some real relevance. But some of these families have been in power for centuries. Yeah, you know, people like Jeff Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates they haven't been in power for centuries. They've contributed a technological development that aids in and towards digital currency. Hence, the Microsoft patent on a digital currency which runs off of a human energy. Now, uh, what's the patent number? It's on my website. You click the research tab. Uh, uh, is it twenty twenty zero six zero six zero six? <laughs> I didn't just make that up. It's an international patent at Microsoft Corporation. Oh, yeah, but you yeah, know, yeah, Bill Gates doesn't have anything to do with Microsoft anymore. Oh, yeah, right, sure. He doesn't own any more shares of Microsoft? Doubt it. No, of course he has everything. He, was, he started the company. It's all about a digital reset. It's all about the digital reset, the great reset. It's all about money. Follow the money, folks. Follow the money. Now, if you are doing the research that a lot of freelancers doing, then you broaden the scope. Then you go into people like Patrick Wood, who's a former guest. And you see what he's doing. And even, even Joe Shetty, even Joe Kent, he said it right there. Technocrats, the technocrats. Technocracy, folks, technocracy. What we can do, what we can do, is we can, and we will, and we are, defending our country. That's what we can do. You know, we may not be able to stop these uh, the, the transhumanism movement right we may not be able to stop that we may not be able to stop you know the, the air the particles on the air, the nanoparticles from breathing you know, some of we may not be able to stop that without wearing a gas mask but we yeah you know, some of these things we may not be able to stop okay area 51 never been to it don't know about it don't want to go there okay I can't I can't I don't have anything to do with that I can't do anything about that or any other top level secret, and I don't want to know anything. And stuff I don't want to know. Okay. What I want and what I will have, and what you should demand as well, is the freedoms that you've inherited through what you know as the document of the U.S. Constitution. That is within your control. That is, with, that is what is within your control. And is that that you can act on. And you can make a difference. That's what you can control. That is something that you can defend. Okay. You should. And you should. You should for not only the generation that follows you and your children, but the generation to come. Let, let, let this experiment, as it's referred to as, the United States, as an experiment. Let... Let it live another 300, 300 years, 400 years. You know, let, it, let it more than double. It's already alive. I mean, it's in real trouble right now. Not even 250 years. It's in real trouble here, folks. Yet countries countries like Italy, like cities like Rome, ugh, they've been around for a couple thousand years, longer. Hmm. Not New York. Okay. Not San Francisco. Not, not if you remain complacent. Not if you continue to get your, put your mask on and stay shut. Let your mouth stay shut. Country will go bye-bye. The country will disappear. The country will be dismantled. And your freedoms will be taken from you. I've lived it. I've seen seen, it. I see it happening. I see it and you see it too. Maybe you don't realize it yet. Folks, until next week, be the best you can be. And that, according to me, means as long as you're doing it with good measure, be awesome.